Let me begin with two scripture readings. The first is from Psalm 92, verse 12 to verse 14. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. The second reading is from Titus, chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. Titus, chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent. If they live, and not to be slanderous nor addicted to much wine, but to then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we want to praise and thank you for the saints of old who have started the work of caring for people in our community. Thank you that at this stage of our church, we continue to see many, many people who need your love and can only be found complete if they find themselves in you. Pray for all of us as we interact with people in our workplaces, in our church, in our groups, in our society, that will be responsive uh, to what love means and how to faithfully obey and follow you as your disciples. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today is a Community Sunday, not the exact day, but today is a day that this church has chosen to touch on a very important aspect of our Diocese of Singapore, which is the community arm of our diocese. And the video that we just saw more or less show us the complete, the full works, if you like, the whole works of SAMH and SACS. So it's an Andrew Mission Hospital, and SACS is for Singapore Anglican Community Services. And these are the community arm of our diocese. But this community arm must not be misunderstood to mean that we keep at arm's length people that do not belong to us. Rather, our community arm emphasizes that our gospel is for the spirit as much as it is for the human body. The importance of holding the body that God has given us and also the soul that God has given us. When we listen to the gospel, we talk about the Spirit of God. 
But when we touch the human needs of men and women, we talk essentially also not just their soul and their spirit, but also the desires and the needs of the human body. And therefore, for us, the word salvation does not mean just save the soul, but also to care and love the full person into the kingdom of God. And meeting the needs of humankind is one attested way of bringing peace and love of people of God to each other and most importantly, uh, to God's heavenly kingdom. So SAMH started back, way back in 1913 and then followed by SACS in 1967, respectively. But today, for the benefit of this church and this parish, I want to only focus on one area, which is an important area, a growing area, which is the area of the older adults in our community. I want to spend a bit more time on this, this afternoon. So I want to do that by asking four questions. Firstly, what is ageing? Secondly, what is the secular perspective on ageing? What is the Bible or the Christian perspective on ageing? And finally, what should we do as followers of Jesus? So let me begin by asking this question, what is ageing? Now it's an inescapable fact that we all age. Biological ageing is a process that happens to all of us, all human beings, as it does in different ways to living things. So ageing in some way is a decrease in the ability of your body to function optimally. So with age, your body and my body will slowly decrease in its efficient functioning. And once you understood things in this way, then aging is a result of a process. It's not an abnormal process. That means when we age, we should not feel that I am abnormal. You are not abnormal, neither am I. Aging is just part of the natural process of all living things that you see around you. Everything age. Even things, though not living, do deteriorate in their condition over time. And therefore, we need to see aging as a natural process, not an abnormal process, as though we are unusual when we age. Paul the Apostle himself recognizes this in himself as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he described the human body as a self that is wasting away. So, in that sense, the general understanding of most people is that biological aging appears to be a lifelong accumulation of faults at a cellular and molecular level. That means each time that we are unwell, something happens in our body. Our cell, our molecule in our body are not working as efficiently as it was before, but we can handle it because we are still able to recover from that single random occurrence of sickness. So you're having a flu, you may be unwell for a couple of days, take some medication, proper rest, proper sleep, proper food, you'll be up and running in no time. So that is a random occurrence that's happened on its own. 
where our cell is unable to function efficiently, so we fall sick. But when all these things come together, your fever, your kidney, your organ, everything starts to begin to collapse, begin to work less and less efficiently, then it begins to, when it's combined together, overwhelms our human body ability to keep herself running and working efficiently. Our systems in our body begin to fail. So that's why sometimes people talk about underlying condition. It's not the thing that kills the person, but it's the underlying issues that cause the fatal death. For example, my father uh, had cancer, but he did not die actually of cancer, even though he was at his terminal stage. He died of another cause, which is nothing to do with cancer at all, because the body is not able to cope uh, with the treatment. Or sometimes some of my uh, clients and patients are very unwell in the hospital. They have chest infection, or their body is not functioning properly, and they try to administer, say, kidney dialysis, but they realize that they cannot do it because the heart can't cope with the stress of the dialysis. So as a person ages, the body system within himself, herself, cannot coordinate, they cannot work together, and that's where our body collapses. So it's the wear and tear, if you like. It's the failure to repair itself efficiently. And I think this is an important understanding of aging. Because we tend to see aging as something abnormal, something very unusual. And our treatment of our human body is now increasingly less and less about curative. It's more and more about cosmetic. Some of the medical things that, that some of us do, or a lot of people doing, or are attracted to doing it for ourselves, is more of cosmetic rather than of curative nature. Medicine has also moved more towards cosmetic rather than for the sake of health and curative purpose. This is not a, a criticism, it's just a social observation of what is happening around us today as you watch and you listen to people sharing with you their life experiences. So when we see aging in that sense as a natural progress or process of a body breaking down its own efficiency, then actually aging is the side effect of our body's inability to function efficiently. I think that's an important distinction to make. Aging is not because we are aging necessarily, but because our body is unable to function effectively, efficiently at the later stage of our life. Aging is actually the side effects of it. Okay? For most of us, we will know how our skin begins to wrinkle because certain of the combination in our skin, underneath our skin, are no longer able to hold the moisture, for example. That itself is a failure of the cell at a cellular level, molecular level, to contain and maintain the elasticity of our face. So this does not mean that biological aging uh, does not also affect us socially. Because as human beings, we recognize ourselves as being old, sometimes just by listening to each other's story. How do we celebrate someone else's birthday? He is 27 years. What's the last word? 
young. That's an exception. You are 29 years old. You are 56 years old. You know, the entire English language suggests to you that this person is getting older, not younger. So sometimes it doesn't feel good when people ask, how old are you? Because you have to, in the social interaction, you have to say, I'm 57, 58, 59 years old. And the other social uh, change that we see aging being emphasized indirectly is all the various um, modernization that we see around us. Just look at technological knowledge we see. How many people in the 50s and 60s are able to handle what those in the 20s and 30s are doing so well and so efficiently? I can't, for a fact. Even PowerPoint is a problem for me, as Joseph would tell you. I'm not that savvy at all. And so we find that technological movement is so fast, so quick, that those in the 50s and the 60s are not able to catch up. Very few are actually able to handle it. And so there's another demarcation, a differentiation is happening in our society. And also another thing that's moved us away from, from that old model is that of moving away from traditional wisdom. In my much younger days, my grandparents were the people who are considered wise. But nowadays, you hear the young people say things, Google is what makes them wise. Computer is what makes them wise. No longer traditional wisdom. They have been thrown out of the window altogether. Urbanization is another issue. People move and move away from home to achieve career, achieve their futures. Going overseas for years is another very common thing. So the moving away from uh, the place of birth in order to gain access to wealth, to education, and so on and so forth is so obvious. Even traditional arts, food, skills are already being sold commercially because they can't hand it any longer to their sons and daughters because they are not interested in doing what their forefathers or their forebears were doing. So they begin to devalue over time all this older concept of traditional wisdom and all these things. It's no longer there anymore. So for example, our Ministry of Health has recently published a report, a PowerPoint, in fact, presentation of aging in place in Singapore predicted that a Singaporean age 65 today is expected to live up to 85.3 years as compared to 78.8 years in 1980. So critically, the number of seniors age 65 and above will take off between 2020 and 2030. So just last year, Actually, the sprint happens in 2020 already. So by the time we hit 2030, we'll see a large proportion of our population here in Singapore, uh, 65, age and above. And so our society in Singapore at least are starting, working very hard to prepare resources to meet the demands of an aging population. The estate that I live in has more and more things, amenities for people who are actually much older. If they're younger, they would not need all those things around the uh, living area. 
So this greater need of social support, the greater risk of social isolation. So all the healthcare needs and all these things, hospital visits, longer hospital stays, people are sick longer, long-term care are needed, and all these are the ageing. And we find that while we should appreciate the natural process of ageing as a biological inescapable fact, as well as the readiness of a society to prepare for the growing reality of including, not excluding, including the older people in our community. The passage I read earlier on Titus chapter 2 actually has that in mind. It's written about a congregation or a community or a Christian community that include the older people, older men and older women. Not just by their activities, but also by their character. So a parish, like a church, like you have it here, when you're armed with the necessary knowledge, we can also help in this process of engaging people in our parish, in our wider community. And this is where I come to the second question. How does the world look at older people? Now, all of us are Western-educated. I'm, I'm quite confident about that. Many of us here are. And the assumptions that you and I make in our schools, even though we do not know it explicitly, is the assumption that scientific rationalism is correct. Capitalism is correct. This is how we work. This is what we believe. We base our decision on scientific evidence. Okay? Our society, our economics are capitalist. We all know that. And we practice that. And by the way of living, we continue to do that. That's fine at a certain level. But what this means also is that unconsciously, you and I are being shaped what we actually value human being. So we begin to see human being as what? Oh, a human being has to be rational. What does, where, where did that come from? Scientific rationalism. That's where it came from. Oh, uh, oh this person is not so productive. Where did it come from? Capitalist economics. Even the church are affected by this, influenced by this. We go by numbers. I'm not saying they're not important, but I'm saying that they become to be seen as less desirable. So if a human being is less rational, is less productive, then he's less desirable. So we begin to allow capitalist economics and scientific rationalism to influence us, most of the time unconsciously. And we begin to see and project that sort of value onto each other, fellow human beings, because this person is less rational, less productive, and less desirable. So what happens at an interpersonal level? It is in a way we behave, isn't it, towards each other, that tells them of their age. I mentioned earlier on how we celebrate birthdays with a very strong tone that creates in us an awareness of our own aging. At a social level, we have more and more regulations through certain prohibition. And again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's the reality of our society. My mother is in her 80s. Oh, you cannot go there. Oh, you cannot do this. Oh, you cannot do that because you are vulnerable, understandably so. But while at the same time, she experienced isolation. 
And they cannot be denied. They experience it. Psychological pressure on her because she felt completely disconnected. So these are some of the effects of a social program. And we as a church, as a parish, perhaps can do something to counteract that. So all this becomes um, linked, strongly linked to a person's chronological age. This is how things are moving. So in Singapore, and those of you who are my age and above would be told, oh, now you're 55, please, please, a new account has been created for you. Do you have a choice? Not really. Not that you, that you need to, but at least you are not given the choice. You have an account called retirement account. How does that sound to you? Retirement account. I held a talk recently uh, to a group of people in, in, in their uh, well, older adults. I asked an open question, how do you feel when you retire? No income. That was the first remark I had from the class. Oh, I got no income from however much money they had just a month before. And immediately when they are out of the job, they got zero. The sense of being devalued because they are no longer seen or made to be feel useful. So these are some of the social structure the world tries to help, but they can't contain the effects or side effects of these social programs because they are felt and experienced. They're not necessarily scientifically proven, but certainly it affects a person when our value is based on how much I earn, how old, how old I am, how young I look. And once I'm unable to do that, I have no capacity or ability to earn my kids, therefore I am less desirable. So depression is very common amongst people who have retired and they spend time just feeling isolated and disconnected from society, from church, and from their friends. And what's more, our view of ageing is also defined largely in negative terms. Uh, this reflects and reinforces widespread discrimination against uh, ill treatment and negative perception of older people. I think one contribution the church as Christians that we can make towards such negative attitudes is to be positive about older people, to emphasise the benefit of ageing. We can rethink and reframe our thinking and attitude by seeing old age as a time of fulfilment in a post-work and post-parental stage of life. I'm having an experience called the emptiness syndrome. All my kids are already in their 20s, early 20s. And they are, have their own things in mind. They want to do particular things. They are quite set in their ways. Not a bad thing necessarily. But the effect on the parents is that, wow, the house is going to be empty. My role as a parent is no longer needed. I'm going to stop work in a few months, a few years' time. So it's coming, it's onset, what do I do? And many of us at this stage, as I mentioned earlier, the statistics, majority of us cannot expect to live into OH and way beyond. And sickness and death is something that doesn't occur immediately to us. It will come much later. So in what way then, thirdly, 
In what way is Christian perspective on ageing helpful? I mentioned just now two verses I've read to you from, from Psalm or from Titus. And another one or two other passages I'd like to read uh, to you as well. And one is from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. The Bible is very realistic. It's very honest about ageing. The Bible doesn't run away. That the experience of ageing is actually very painful. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 to 7 have this description in a very poetic way, not directly hitting at those who are old, but as you think about it, as you just reflect on these verses, you can begin to experience ageing like a cloud coming over you and me. Remember also your Creator in days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the streets are shut, and the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are on the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desires fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Very beautiful, poetic description of the process of ageing. So yes, it's inevitable. It's also a social construct. We have to understand that what we are experiencing right now is a social construct. It is not something cast in stone. The church is a radical community. We are not following the ways of the world. We are in the world, we are not of the world. The values we hold dear are not what the world holds dear. So as a community of believers and disciples, we can't and should not live necessarily always against social construct, especially today as we talk about ageing. I mentioned to you the fact that how we look at people who are older, less productive, less efficient, therefore less useful, and less desirable. That's a social construct. This constructed. So what do we do as Christians? We see the inevitability of aging. But as Christians, as a church, as a community, we can create or recreate in order to reflect the sacred value of older adults. And our Bible sees intrinsic values intrinsic values in every human being as being made in God's image. Let me read Psalms again. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. 
you know, a, a cedar can go up to about 1,000 to about 2,000 to 3,000 feet tall. That's how high a cedar tree actually can be. The older it is, the higher it goes, and the stronger it becomes. And it flourishes in God's house. That means God's place, God's kingdom, God's temple, God's church, and bearing fruitfulness in old age. And these are positive qualities. Job 32 verse 7 Let the days speak and many years teach wisdom. Again, I may be 55 years old, but my 55 years of living and many years will give and teach wisdom. And this is how we should perceive people who are older. The social model gives us this understanding of they are in deficit. I feel very uncomfortable. Let's meet their needs. Sure, that's one good way to meet their needs. But can you ask the older people in this church, what are your contribution to this church? Can you just ask them in your cell group, if you break up into groups, ask some very fundamental question. Not what I can do for you because you are needy, you're old, you're less rational, you're less productive. Let's buy canned food, let's buy bread, let's buy this, let's buy that. We just simply assume, assume quite arrogantly that we know all the need without even spending time talking with them. Asking them, what exactly do you want, do you desire? Not what we think they need, or what they think they should have or should not have. And this is a very difficult challenge, I admit. In the structure I'm working in, I'm constantly aware of how we impose a system on people. This is how I want you to fit this box. You don't fit, you're out of line. I'm sorry, you're out of the system. Now, I'm not accusing the system. The system works effectively. But if we want to express the love of God, as what Bishop Titus said at the end of the, of the video, if love of God is to be enduring, what does love mean to you and to me? Do we impose on someone that we love? I think if we're honest with ourselves, I don't think we will do that. We will actually want to listen. What can I do for you? What can I do, not for you, but what can I do with you? What are the dreams you want to achieve? What more things do you like to do? I like to work and walk alongside with you. The preposition is very important. Jesus is known as Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. He's never for us, against us, doing things to us. He's always doing things with us. Yes, his salvation is there, but he persuades you by coming alongside you, walking with you. Matthew talks about the yoke. Jesus bears the yoke with you, against you or for you. For you is actually a bad thing sometimes. But walking alongside with people who are older. So we have parents. I think we can experience that. How does it feel? Do we try our best to walk with them or do we try to tell them what they should or shouldn't do? 
So what are the characters, of course, not just what we do, but what are the characters of older people in our community? And Titus says this again. Let me repeat and read this. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and in love, in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behaviour, not slanderous or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So Paul, through Titus, gave the church, and today for you and I, some understanding of how to engage the older people in our community. Paul not just asks you to engage, but engage people with good character, able to contribute of older folks in the life of our church. They are not only there to be served. Yes, they have needs. So do we have needs. Why are we so presumptuous to think that we can learn nothing from the older people? I think it's rather presumptuous of us to think that way. And that ought to be challenged if you and I have the heart and the gut to ask the question, what do you want to contribute to the life of the church as an older person? What can we do with you to make it possible? So in other words, I'm suggesting that the church should base the ministry on a strength-based and character-based approach. We go to someone by identifying their strength, their positivity, and not keep on mentioning their need. No, we don't grow from negativity. None of us do. We all grow on encouragement. We all do, less of our age. But once we come on driving in, you know, you're old, you're this, you're that, even we don't say it, our attitude, our posture, our whole program, there was hardly any conversation between the older adults with the younger leaders because they think that that's a structure, I'm going to fix it this way. You fix the mold, if you don't, I'm sorry, you're off, you're off the line. We take time, like Paul suggests, to actually see them not just weak, but some strength and character. First Timothy chapter 5, the first two verses says this, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So Paul again lists again very clearly to Timothy in the context of a church life. He said this should be our attitude towards the seniors in our community. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. You shall stand before the grey head and honour the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is in their strength. The splendour of old men is their grey hair. So all these verses uh, will not unnoticed. As early as the 3rd, 4th century of the church, they have already started building in the 3rd and 4th century 
build homes for those who are aging. Bishops were heavily involved at the time. Famous bishop like John Chrysostom was uh, said to have built and oversee these charitable institutions in those early days of the church. You help and run services to care for the frail, for the sick, for the dying. So it's very much our tradition, as much as it's religion, as of medicine. So our church now, in the 21st century, recognizes the contribution of older people, as well as attending to their needs. We also want to help them contribute to the life of the church. The church continues to provide assistance as well as receiving their contribution. We need to challenge the social predominant deficit-based idea. When you grow old, you are actually quite useless. So finally, let me ask the final question. So how do we attend to older people? This can't be exhaustive, but certainly I try to attempt a few things that we could perhaps practice immediately. Firstly, we need to learn to listen to older people. We need to learn. I, use, I emphasize the word learn because it's not easy to listen to older people. We should appreciate that aging is not generic. Yes, there are some common challenges and issues we all face, but different people respond to life experiences in very, very different ways. So we need to really listen, and it's quite difficult, but you have to keep trying. Get support, learn pastoral skills, even communication skills, how to talk to a person who's older than you. How do I do it? It's not a one-size-fits-all response. So this is the first thing I want to encourage you to do, to actually to continue to learn to listen to older people, what are their vocation in God's kingdom, how are they following faithfully as disciples of Jesus Christ, still growing in faith and love? And this, I hope, will help us to at least begin to start to learn to listen to other people. Secondly, we also, it's important also to recognize and appreciate that the key task of an older people is integration. Uh, for those of us who study uh, life development or the way a human being develops, when a person grows older, the person needs to find meaning and connection. And a person can only do that when a person is, can make complete sense of what he, what he or she has gone through in life. He or she needs to pick up all the pieces of the past many decades of living. Mistakes they have made, crises they were in, contributions they have made, good things have happened to them, bad things have happened to them. They need to make sense of what is going on they have come to the end where they still have this dream, but their body is unable to cope with their dreams because it's no longer possible for them to function like a 20-year-old or 30-year-old man or women. So they, they hit, they're hit with a crisis, and they're trying to make sense and meaning of it. So the community, like a church, is one of the best ways for people to find integration because God is at the very center of what we all do. God is the one that can give meaning focus and integration for people who are troubled in life, especially those who may be experiencing this crisis. They're retired. Their days of economic viability is no longer there. And how do they feel? 
Children are leaving their homes because they have moved on. What happened to them? They have a serious crisis that they experienced. And the crisis can only be resolved successfully if he or she can come to a place where he can reconcile within himself and find deeper meaning, deeper sense of meaning in the community where he or she belongs. For example, in this church. So, people who are older, there are actually three, three crucial steps that I think are important. I'm just going to say it to you. Firstly, people who are older usually have to accept their past without, without bitterness. Okay, it's very difficult okay, for those who have made mistakes in the past. One of the biggest hurdles older folks experience is they can't accept their past. Even if they did, they still feel a, a, a lot of bitterness and anger. So for them, this is one of the crucial steps. Second step is to accept the inevitability of death that will finally come to them, to me. And finally, to accept that society will still continue on even after they passed away. It's actually learning to let go. And so these are the two crucial steps, accepting one's past without bitterness, second step, accepting one's own death, and finally, accepting that society will still continue after one's death. And let me conclude by just summarizing what I've said so far with the four questions. And one thing I've not done today is I've not touched on disability. That's one thing uh, will take a whole new uh, I'm another time, another occasion for it. But disability is a serious consideration when we talk about aging, but I shall not touch on that today. But just to acknowledge that uh, some of us here may experience or have seen or looking after people who are disabled because of aging. But that's a whole new area. And what I'm saying here today doesn't completely apply to them necessarily. But that's another entire different topic altogether. So I'm just merely scratching the uh, surface of a very gigantic iceberg. But what I've said so far, I think, is a good starter for all of us to think through deliberately on how you and I as a church want to respond and include the older adults. So let me distill this just to a few points and then I'll finish it with a closing prayer. Firstly, affirm intrinsic value and much contribution of older adults in our church. Secondly, there are real benefits and a deep sense of belonging to a faith community that we can offer to people as they age. Thirdly, develop intentional community. Be intentional about it. And also, may I add, have that capability. Okay? The road may I be a bit blunt. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay, good intentions is not enough. You must have that intentionality, by all means, but you must have that ability to do it. The pastoral skill sets I mentioned just now. And finally, finally, do things with the older adults, not against them, or not for them, but actually work alongside with them 
to achieve their dreams together with them. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you will be with us as we continue to think of ways how we can connect more meaningfully with people who are experiencing the challenges of ageing, not only for our parish here, but also in the community that we belong. Help us uh, to reconsider the ways and what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, Amen.